Hello and welcome to the Formula Scout podcast. Formula Scout is home to news, features, podcasts and more from the world of junior single-seater racing. And my name is Craig Willard and I am joined today by Joshua Satil, Bethany Waring and Elliot Wood to discuss a lot of things that happened over at Monza this weekend. This week, a Schumacher won for an Italian team. Dan's was absolutely furious at Formula 2 reliability. The Formula 3 title fight hit boiling point and elsewhere around the globe... Barry Kello was victorious in the US and um, Victor Martin's got his Formula Renault Euro Cup championship campaign properly underway. So we've got a lot to, to discuss um, this week and I think it's right to start with, with Formula 2 and to start with Schumacher winning at Monza. Uh, Mick Schumacher with Premier took his, his first feature race win um it, it really thrust him into into championship contention even though he had been there uh throughout the season really picking up consistent podiums but this was the first time he'd taken a feature race win adds to his, his sprint race win from from hungary last year uh but josh do you think that he had that win in the bag irrespective of the issue that hit callum Eilot in the in the feature race I think it's very, very hard to say. Uh, you know, Eilat's pace after that uh, stalling in the pits was was really, really good. Uh, but then Schumacher, you know, was not under pressure at the front. Uh, you know, Lungard uh, focused on his tyres. Um, so it, we, we'll just never know, really. But I think clearly those two were the fastest drivers in that race. Um, so it is a deserved win. Um, you know, even though, obviously, it's slightly lucky with, with Eilat's stall. You know, Schumacher was right on the back of him all the way through the first stint. And then in the second stint, you know, really, really quick. Previous races this year, we've seen him, you know, make his char characteristic, you know, fast getaway off the line. And then he's just faded as the race has gone on or he's made mistakes. Uh, but fortunately for Schumacher, there was none of that. I think a really, really good drive uh, and a fully deserved, if a bit, you know, overdue uh, maiden feature race win for him. Yes, yeah, certainly. Um, whenever whenever we've um, had the chance to speak to Schumacher this year, he's emphasised that he is taking each race one week, one, one weekend at a time. That's easier to say than <laughs> than I thought. Um, but he, he did say that wins would come. Um, Bethany, you tipped Schumacher for, for champion this year. Um, do you feel that this win is particularly overdue? And what do you think will happen now that he's got that first feature race win under his belt? Um, for sure, I think it's overdue. I think uh, it should have come in Austria, shouldn't it? When he was leading and made, I think he made a mistake and then ended up outside the points. So I think there are a couple of times this season where Schumacher should have done better than he did, but... He's he's been there or thereabouts most of the season, as he said, and he got that win. And I feel pretty vindicated, as thing as everybody else um, didn't think he was going to win the championship, and now he's up there six points behind the leader. I think now he's got this win under his belt. Hopefully, for him, this is a kind of he's proven to himself that he can do it. Um, even with Eilert's problem, he won. So nobody can take that away from him. And hopefully he's got that off his back now so that he can go on. And I'm not going to say that he do what he did in Formula 3, which was win pretty much every other race that happened. But I think that he can continue this 
these consistent podium finishes and now he's not under so much pressure to take his maiden win we might see more wins yeah uh yeah quite possibly I, I do think that there are certain differences between uh this season and his championship winning euro f3 season of course, uh, <laughs> yes. Um, whilst not speculating on uh, certain certain um, engines and 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 so forth that uh, were supposedly the the case back in back in F3, um, I do think that Premier is not like by far and away the, the stand standard um, this year. There are there are other teams, particularly uh, Virtuosi, who, who seem really really strong. And of course, in, in Formula Two as well, you've got things like pit stops, and you've got partial reverse grid races to to take into consideration as well. So it it will be difficult for for Schumacher to go on on the sort of route that he went on um, back in back in European F3 in 2018. Uh, I do want to mention Ilar because, like, it, it, as um, as was mentioned, his recovery drive is absolutely astounding. He went from dead last um 21st i believe he was um all the way back up to i think it was fourth or fifth in the in the feature race it was well sixth sixth, yes um it was well in the points anyway and that put him in in a good position to to in the in the sprint race almost um reminds me of that time that mitch evans um went from the back to eventually winning the, the sprint race. Um, that was back in the, the mid-2010s in GP2. Um, but, yeah, it, the, his performance in, in that feature race um, on that second set of tyres was absolutely amazing. Um, I, I thought he, he said that the, the clutch is probably his, uh, his biggest cha- uh, championship contender this year. Uh, jokingly, um, but you uh, also said that he had a lot of fun out there. Um, just totally mullered the tires uh, to get um, whatever points he could, and it, it really paid off for him. Um, so Josh, it was a bit of a, a return to form, really, for for Ilot. Um, so a bit of a, a bit of a scruffy performance when you take all things considered with with the with the clutch issue and and all that sort of stuff but um but the outright pace is absolutely phenomenal yeah most importantly you know spa was very much a one-off and that's what this weekend proved um he wasn't looking too great in in practice and qualifying was he but then he managed to pull pole position out of the bag from pretty much nowhere you know got in behind dragovic and and used a slipstream and it's that kind of you know uh racecraft and that kind of uh Shows what a smart racer, you know, Ilot is. Uh, he definitely was not the fastest over one lap, um, but he got pole position. In the feature race, he probably was the fastest driver on the track and, uh, like you said, uh, charged to sixth place. So Ilot's definitely the, the fastest driver, or at least with, you know, including the car, fastest uh, driver team combination, you know, this year. <laughs> but once again, really, I mean, he should have won the feature race, really, shouldn't he? Uh, obviously, he stalled and he said that he did exactly the same thing that he'd done all year and not had any issues. Uh, and just this time he did exactly the same thing uh, and he stalled. So, you know, an unfortunate kind of thing, but uh, really he should be walking away from this weekend uh, with a much more convincing championship lead. He's got six points on Schumacher. Schwartzman had a, a bit of an off weekend, really, you know, not too much pace there. Uh, but really, you know, Eilat should, should be further ahead because like you say, if Schumacher has this sort of late season charge, um, Eilat's probably going to regret not picking up these points uh, earlier in the season. Mm, yeah, it, certainly. Um, 
Uh, let's move. Well, just just touching on qualifying as well briefly. Like both Ayla and fellow front row starter Yuki Tsunoda, uh, both said they were a bit surprised to to make it onto the front row because they felt their their laps weren't particularly um, spectacular. But um, you know the, the toe is so important around Monza, and Tsunoda touches well kind of involved in in my next point and that's moving on to reliability because it, it's come to um come to the fore again this weekend it's been a bit of a, a problem throughout much of the season um within formula two and to a lesser degree formula three as well um but we, so far in well at monza alone we had problems for nikita mazepin sonoda uh, Guan Yu Zhou as well, and that completely ruined. Um, they all have had very similar issues, it seems like, as well. We don't know exactly what it was um, that hampered all of them, but they seemed very similar. But also, crucially, for, for Dan Tictum, um, who won the, the sprint race quite convincingly on the road, um, only to come to a stop after the, the Retifilio chicane. He turned to the paddock um, in the Rather amusingly, parked up at the number ones. Uh, well, I guess there's a point of bravery because you very rarely speak out against the organisation of the Formula Two Championship, and if you do try to, the the organisers kind of crack down on it. Uh, actually, over the weekend, I had communication from two paddock sources who basically just presented how angry. Uh, a lot of the teams were, including Dams, and it was one of the British teams as well that got very, we obviously didn't make quotes to the press, but got very vocal to everyone else in the paddock and said, this is unacceptable. We need to get this sorted out. It's been known by the teams, uh, by the organising team, um, and it still hasn't been changed. And with Dams, obviously we've seen Sean Galal, uh, or not seen Sean Galal in Monza because of his crash at Barcelona. But prior to that, it had like six technical failures, all pretty much uh, of the same two issues. And that was even brought back up in pre-season testing, where the cars had been in freight for four or five months and no one had touched them. They came to, went to testing, said, uh, you know, these are the issues we found on the car, sent them back to F2. They were in freight for another four months before we actually got racing again. And the problems are all still there across the grid. And, I think Dams have just got really unlucky with um, their, their technical issues this year because it's clearly an issue that is repeating itself. And with the fuel one uh, last weekend, we, there is a fuel flow uh, limit in, in racing, where in most series, uh, so it's to stop getting a competitive advantage. And obviously, if you finish with less fuel than everyone else, that means you, you know, you've used more and go further. And the fact that they overfueled their car to compensate for the fact that they knew they had a faulty component, while that is um, awful in the sense that they're, they're still being punished for this, when you look at the letters of the rules, that it, it makes perfect sense why Tickson's been disqualified because you work around that faulty component. If you know the organisers are going to refuse for it to be changed or you know refuse that problem to be fixed, you have to build a better solution and in the end I have to blame I have to blame Dams for this and say they should have fueled Tixon's car even more. That's it's, it sounds awful, but that's the only thing they could have done to, to avoid this penalty. Yeah it, to to judge if you if you do have a, an issue with with a particular component and 
you try to compensate for that. It is, it is difficult to sort of go, well, how how much do we compensate for it whilst not also being hampered so drastically that, um, you know, we're, we're just going to totally tank down the order and, and make in that regard. Uh, I, I do, I do feel for 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 Damned and for, and for Tickton because Tickton did absolutely nothing wrong in the race at the end of the day he he still says that he's first and you know he feels that he he won the race um and he definitely won it on the road um but uh, yeah it, it is something that does really be addressed um I definitely understand why why Dams is so vocal particularly after the the issues that have completely destroyed Galileo's season, um, notwithstanding the, the the crash at Barcelona, even before that, it just wasn't going right. And um, see, Gal said that it doesn't look good on the series. Yeah, it's not ideal. I spoke to Francois Sicard, a Dam's team principal, you know, after the race, and obviously he was very, very frustrated. And it's like a season-long frustration for him. Um, from their side, they didn't see any problems in in preseason testing. Well, as soon as they rocked up to the first round at the Red Bull ring, the problems just kind of started and they hadn't really stopped uh, since then. They got a service in Silverstone. Their fuel tank got a service in Silverstone. This usually never happens. This only happens at the start of the season. They got a service uh, happen in Silverstone. They were assured that it was now fixed. And of course, uh, it you know hasn't been. So it's really not a deal for Dams. You know, he pointed out that it's ruining drivers' careers because uh, with so many reliability issues and stuff, uh, a lot of people don't know what's going on within the teams. Do so they just see the results or just see the placing in the championship and, and they see them well down? And that it really, really can, you know, affect careers. I mean, it sounds like Tictum's already talking about coming back next year um, for a second year in Formula 2. And 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 the pace has been good from Dams and Tictum. But as you mentioned, you know, just so many uh, reliability issues for them. Um, obviously, the, the teams are not in direct contact with the suppliers, so they have to work through F2. Um but maybe it's time to consider a change of that supplier. Uh, obviously, the last generation of cars were, I think, pretty good. They tended to not have many reliability issues. The the racing was brilliant. The racing's brilliant with you know this generation of cars, but unfortunately, the reliability is not there. So perhaps if the suppliers have continued to sort of you know uh, mess up, especially in, in 2018, problems look like they were fixed in 2019, and now there's completely new problems this year. Um, so I think really for the, the next generation of cars, uh, I think Formula 2 should probably consider uh, getting a new supplier. Uh, it seems that this sort of turbo hybrid engines. Have... Oh, no, we appear to have lost Josh. Um, Bruno Macau so... came off before he revealed. <laughs> uh, quite possibly. Um, well, we'll move on to the next point anyway, and hopefully Josh will return. Um, Lungarden. Uh, he picked up two podiums, which I thought was really, really strong for him. Um, Beth, well, it's because he he almost sort of like seemed like a little bit surprised to to um, have results because he, he didn't didn't think that the pace was um, necessarily there throughout the weekend. Yeah, good results for Christian. He started off. He had a, obviously he had a really good start to the season, but then he's kind of dipped. Uh, of Silverstone in Spain, so it's good to see him back on form. He's he's proven that he can do well, and the team can do well. Um, but um, that's just not happened in recent years. And Monza's one of those 
circuits where we've seen that um, we've seen Isla in hello Josh we've seen Isla in um, in qualifying and Snowden qualifying Spain they didn't have the pavement yet they were starting on the front row of the grid so it's one of those tracks where you don't necessarily have to have the pace you just have to have the pace in the right places and uh, Christian Lungard did, and that's why he two two podiums this weekend, and he's really, I think he's put himself back on back on track. Do we think at this point that there are any particular are we in a position where we can rule um, many people out at this point? Uh, Callum was everyone is still in the title fight at this point of the season. Uh, yeah, I don't. I wouldn't agree with that. <laughs> Maybe the top five in the championship, I'd say. You know, I don't think Nikita Mazepin or or Joe, especially because he hasn't yet, uh, and he just seems to go backwards in every single sprint race. Uh, and of course, both of them were unlucky with with technical failures this weekend. But yeah, I'd probably you know rule them two out and everyone below. Um, so I think it's mainly between you know the three main Ferrari juniors, Eilat Schumacher, Schwarzman, and then you've sort of got high contenders, you know, Sonoda and Lungard. Who perhaps haven't quite got the the consistency to to match the top three, and uh, you know Schumacher is the man with the consistency. I thought probably the man with the pace, and then Schwartzman. You don't know what to expect really from weekend to weekend, but he always seems to pick up the points. So uh, it's a really interesting fight. Those top three are definitely, I think, the three that will take it all the way to the end. Uh, and then with Sonoda and Longard, I, I honestly don't know, but I, I can only see that one of the top three really winning the championship. Um, if I'm being honest. I do think we've still got four rounds to go. Um, so there's still a lot of racing to to, to happen still. Um, let's move on to FIA Formula 3 because that was a very eventful uh, weekend in its own right. And it began really with a, a bit of a mess. Dying. Um, now, this is something that I was particularly vocal about on on, on social media and and Josh, I think that um, we we both came to the conclusion that qualifying was again um, <laughs> perhaps not to the same degree that it was last year, but it was still like a, a farce on on on. I don't think that's a, that us being particularly harsh at all. It's clearly, they're at least improving uh, year on year. But yeah, I mean, it's not going to take long for for this to lead to a, a serious accident. So. I think something needs to be done. You just split the drivers up or send them out at you know intervals, uh, split them into qualifying groups like we have at Monaco. Just something needs to be done um, for circuits like Monza. You don't need to do it for, for every F3 round, um, but at Monza in particular, you know, less than It was just a, a bit of a fast in qualifying, but the, the two races were brilliant. Probably the best Formula 3 of, of this new era and probably a, quite a bit better than most of what uh, GP3 produced as well. They seem to think that that's because of the nature of the Formula 3 cars and the fact that there are 30 drivers on the grid. So, particularly easy. I, I do think that the way to, to perhaps go about it is maybe to, to have a situation where not just have a, have a minimum time, but to have a, a sort of situation where you have minimum, well, you have, well, maximum times even, but maximum um maximum sector times as well and to make sure that you stop drivers from this this really annoying situation where you have two of them basically side by side doing about 
five miles an hour down the down the back straight um i, I think have it have it so that you, you stop that sort of thing you you enforce some sort of minimum speed limit on on out laps and on on preparation laps uh so forth and, and perhaps we'll have the situation well we won't have the situation where there will be a a really really nasty accident because it will happen one of these days and um i, I think that it'd be it, we really need to to stop this sort of thing from happening um it's not limited to monza as well um spa is another circuit where where it's almost happened in the past um so so it's something that that the organizers do need to to think about uh we are sadly expecting to to lose josh at, um for good because his internet is is particularly choppy um but bethany do you think let's talk about the, the races themselves because they were absolutely amazing weren't they oh fun so it's always amazing but yeah they they were they were it's it was kind of it was sadly hampered by the fact that the results we saw at the end of the race weren't the results that were that were going to go ahead. We saw quite a few penalties, but honestly, it was brilliant. Um, we saw problems. Logan Sargent has seemed to. We we always seem to focus on Oscar Piastri having his DRS, his Shakespearean relationship with DRS, but Logan Sargent always seems to have. Uh, problems during the race and drops back and I don't think they're always his fault and we saw again he had um, he had issues which dropped him down the field and then obviously he had problems he had contact with Clement Novelak so that wiped him out uh, um, Piastri managed to capitalise on that in race one but then race two Clement Novelak came back and decided to Level the playing ground again um, by wiping out Piastri. Sergeant couldn't capitalise on that because then he made contact with his own teammate, which um, I imagine that wasn't a happy, um, a happy debrief at Prima. Who let's not forget last um, last round out won the team's title, so um, they won the team's title now, and the drivers don't seem to be caring about the team all that. Honest, it was it was a fantastic race all around. It's good to see the drivers fighting. It's not so good to see them going off into the gravel, but that's Formula Three for you. Yeah, <laughs> best way to put it. To be honest, uh, yeah, the racing was absolutely amazing. Um, I, I think, it, as, as you expect, we're, we're Formula Three at Monster. Um, there's just so many, so much overtaking going on. Um, in the in the sprint race, thought Sergeant's recovery up until the point where he took himself out um, was absolutely sensational. Uh, going up from twenty sixth on the grid to to fourth on the road uh, before with uh, teammate Frederick Vesti um, completely ruined both of their races. Piastri was was doing okay as well um, before he had. Uh, we initially had contact with with uh, another championship contender, David Beckman, at which took took him out, and then, uh, as you mentioned, the the contact with with Clement Novelak, who who really seemed to have it in for the the title contenders this weekend, bizarrely. Um, 
but we did have a we did have a win for for Jake Hughes in in the second race as well, and it's completely uh, completely gone past me who who even won the won won the first race. But Vesti, uh, yes, of course, it was Vesti um, taking his first win since since the, the the very wet Red Bull ring. So uh, Josh, I think, is back now. So uh, what what did you make of uh, of the goings on in Formula Three on in the Formula Three races? Yeah, both absolutely fantastic. You know, uh, F1 was obviously a, a brilliant one, um, but you know, Formula Three was was really, really good as well. So uh, yeah, great stuff. Um, really, really important in the championship race, wasn't it? Um, as you mentioned, Craig, you know, Sergeant did a, a fantastic job to, to charge back to the front on Sunday, but unfortunately, you know, all that hard work uh, counted for nothing with just a, a very, very small mistake. Uh, it, you know, I think quite clearly was his error. And now it means that we have the, the odd situation where both of the two championship contenders. Have grid penalties for Magella, uh, which is quite odd for Piastri, obviously, with that incident with Beckman uh, and Sergeant, um, obviously, for, for squeezing Vesti. Uh, you know, Vesti had his best weekend of the year, probably. It's a, it's a real shame that he couldn't have done this early on in the year. You know, he won from nine on, on Saturday, really, really impressive. Uh, but I think he'd be, you know, right in the title fight uh, if that season started right now. Of course, unfortunately for him, uh, it doesn't. And he might have even been a late, you know, championship contender had he managed to finish on the podium uh, and not be taken out by Sergeant uh, on Sunday. So, yeah, uh, really, really entertaining stuff. Teo Porchera as well was, was brilliant all weekend. Um, Piastri was brilliant as well. Um, unlucky to, to get taken out by Novelak, who, uh, yeah, like you say, <laughs> seems to have a habit of, of taking out both the championship contenders, but at least made it even. Um, yeah, great stuff from Porchera. And I think uh, 24 points adrift with both Piastri and Sergeant having grid penalties for Magello. You know, this is perhaps no longer uh, a two-way fight for the championship. Yeah, quite possibly. Uh, every every driver down to to Vesti and Sixth is still mathematically in the in the hunt, I do believe. Um, but yeah, coming back to to Mugello, and I do, I do want to like properly preview the the title decider a little bit later. Um, it is going to be difficult for, for Sergeant and for Piastri because Mugello is not a circuit that is expected to be easy to overtake on. So. They're going to really need to be right at the front in that qualifying session to minimise the damage, and then they've got to be decisive in the race as well. Um, you know, to to try and stop the the likes of Porsche and and Liam Dawson as well from from making a, a very late championship charge. Um, going back to to Porsche, I, I thought it was absolutely brilliant this weekend. Uh, again, he 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 said that. He was another driver who who said that he had he was the the true um, well in this case it was he was the true pole sitter um, having taken his uh, what was his maiden pole but got it taken away due to blocking and qualifying um, and then it was absolutely brilliant brilliant in the races I can't remember whether it was race one or race two where he had an excursion through the gravel early on only to to still finish on the podium which is quite remarkable really but that. The pace that he showed this weekend was absolutely fantastic. Um, so yeah, really, really strong from him. Um, let's move on to to goings on in in the United States because uh, there was quite a lot going on over there as well. Uh, first bit of news is that the the Mid Ohio round that was um, postponed has been reinstated, and that is taking place this weekend. So that is not much notice for. For the teams and drivers there. Um, I, I do want to bring Elliot in to, to talk about 
um, Indy Pro 2000 a little bit because uh, it was a very strong re- weekend for, for Stingray Rob, but there was a frightening accident that involved one of the championship contenders. Yeah, uh, Braden Neves, who is the reigning USF 2000 champion. And although you don't really get the greatest camera angles in Indy Pro, it was clear to see that this was totally a car failure that caused this. Um, rear of his car kind of pitched down, flipped him into a, a roll, basically, and he landed on the uh, on the roll hoop of his car upside down uh, as on the banking of Indy. And it took a while to extract him from the car. He ended up in hospital, and he's now got a broken vertebrae in his neck and uh, severe kind of like bruising and damages to his face as well. So not a good time for him. And I don't think we'll be seeing him in a car again this season. Yeah, at this point of the year, it does look very, very um, unlikely uh, that, that that's going to be the case. He was reporting a, a vibration before before the incident happened. Um, it, it, that may have contributed to, to the, the flip over, if you will. Um, but it was a really, really scary and very bizarre sort of incident to happen. Um, obviously, the, these cars don't have Halo or an aero screen or anything like that, and that is exactly the, the sort of thing that, that these sort of uh, those sort of devices are are designed to, you know, stop um, the, these kinds of issues at the end of the day. So, do we think that? it might be more incentive to, to rush through um, a halo or an aero screen or something like that um, for, for, the, for the current cars. We know that the, these cars are Formula 4 cars, essentially, um, and are not designed to, to have this sort of device on. But do you think that um, a, a next-generation car might get um, rushed through as a result? Potentially, I from talks with Dan Anderson, who is the promoter of Road to Indy, that is very much something under consideration for the next generation of car. But that is many years down the line because they're trying to keep costs low so they can basically keep grid numbers up. Uh, I haven't seen the technical report from the crash yet, but the fact that Braden Eve's helmet was pretty damaged suggested that the roll hoop actually failed as he landed on it. Uh, and with that, uh, something like a halo would have actually had a helping effect because the kind of triangle between the top of the roll hoop and the front of the safety cell uh, would kind of be a bit higher uh, because of the height of the halo. So he would have potentially have been saved from any uh, injuries had the halo been there. But obviously it's a car not built to accommodate that. And Indy Pro has its own challenges, you could say, because the cars have to be more structurally rigid in certain areas when they're racing on ovals. Uh, and it's the same with Indy Lights and Indy Car, which is why ultimately the aero screen uh, was put to use rather than the halo in Indy Car. Mm-hmm. Um, but ju- just uh, going back to, to Stingray Rob as well, he, he had a really, really strong uh, weekend and uh, he's uh, really, really on some strong form at the moment, isn't he? Yeah, I think he, apart from one year and kind of entry-level stuff, he spent his whole career in Indy Pro 2000 and he's finally kind of mastered what the car wants um, when you're driving it. I do think his teammate Artem Petrov got a bit unlucky over the weekend. He probably should have picked up a win. Uh, but more notably, it was the fact that Rob picked up three wins, which might have been the first or second time that's ever happened in Indy Pro, uh, while Devlin Francesco was totally off the pace. 
uh, on a circuit that's probably more similar to the stuff he's raced in Europe for years. And uh, we, we have no idea why definitely Francesco was kind of off the pace all weekend. Mm. Yeah, a little bit strange because he, he he was so strong at the the Overlook Gateway, which is uh, the sort of circuit where he shouldn't necessarily have um, had any experience or, or performed particularly well at. But it it is strange how how these things can happen. Um, let's go to USF two thousand as well because uh, Christian Rasmussen's domination has finally been ended, and it has been done so by a somewhat familiar name. Yeah, Dudu Barrichello, the son of Ferrari F1 legend Rubens. Um, I think Dudu's had a tough time so far in single-seaters in that he he, can't, he does get himself into race-winning positions and either chokes or he just doesn't have the pace to keep it there. Um, but for the first time, we, we saw a kind of race performance where he was stronger at the end. His race management was very much on point and he ended up claiming uh, two wins. Uh, so I think the floodgates has been open now. We're going to see a title challenge with Christian Rasmussen and Barrichello's you know, picked up his confidence and going to be fighting at the front. Interestingly, his uh, Barrichello's teammates have been pretty level with him throughout the season so far until this Indianapolis round where they were totally nowhere in comparison. So it will be interesting to see if the whole of his team is going to actually be at the front as well. Because obviously Jay Howard, which runs Rasmussen, uh, their drivers have been very quick, even though they obviously can't challenge their lead man. So it'll be interesting to see how that team battle and title fight occurs in the USF 2000 now. Mm-hmm. And let's briefly touch on what happened elsewhere around the globe. Um, over at the Nürburgring, Victor Martins um, absolutely dominated the, the Formula Renault Euro Cup weekend at the Nürburgring. And over in over in Japan, uh, Sena Sakaguchi, uh, took a double win to, to close in on the Formula Regional Japan um, title as well. Now, I want to go back to, to FIAF3 because it is the, the title decider this weekend. So I think I think we should really, um, really pre- preview preview it. Uh, Josh, we've already sort of touched on, on this so far, but do we think that despite having the grid penalties, um, both Piastri and Sargent are best placed to, to, to secure the championship this weekend? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, you know, for poor chair or for Lawson, uh, especially for, for Vestia, you know, they need misfortune to strike Piastri and Sargent. Um, Piastri in particular will probably suffer. It's obviously his grid penalty is five places. And also, just generally, he's uh, been a worse qualifier than, than Sargent. Sargent usually sticks it at least in the top five which means he'll probably start in the top eight and he can definitely push on from there, even though it's a track that's hard to overtake on. And of course, you've got the reverse grid as well. So that'll probably throw Piastri to the front on Sunday. Um, so I still think it is between these two. And, and also, remember, obviously, that it's Mugello. So it's a track that Prema knows very well, even if, you know, FIA F3 hasn't been there. Uh, we know that Prema know this circuit very, very well. Uh, I know Trident do as well. Um, so perhaps ART um, might be slightly lacking in that department. Um so, yeah, I would put Piastri and Sargent as, as the, the favourite. Um, but picking between those two is incredibly difficult because look how many times it, it changed in Monza and sort of switched between them. So, um, you, I mean, you'd have to say Sargent just because he's the better qualifier and has a smaller grid penalty. Um, but Piastri races so well. Um, but I think he actually might race in the championship. And considering he has an eight-point advantage, 
if I had to put uh, my money on one of them, it, it's probably Piastri. But I'm, I'm really hoping that poor chair can make it a, a three-way fight. Um, but I think it, it will be between those uh, two frame cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Bethany, how do you see the, the Mugello round playing out? I think the main uh, thing the premium drivers will have to look out for is being in that. That's where issues happen. That's where drivers crash into one another. So I think that's more than anything going to be the thing that perhaps promotes Theopolchair to the championship. Theopolchair, who was at 1.16, let's not forget. But he... um, But... Yeah, it's a, it's interesting that we're going to have this on around that uh, a track that I think many of the Miguel Magello isn't one of the tra- tracks that's on the FIA feed calendar often, obviously, but it's one of the tracks that a lot of the drivers will have um, experience on. It's frequently in the junior championship, so it's one that a lot of the drivers will know. Uh, it's one that. It might not be the best for overtaking, but it's one that's going to really challenge the drivers, and hopefully, that means that we'll have the best driver win. Yeah, hopefully, that's what we want at the end of the day. We just want a, a clean fight and for the the best driver team combination to to come out on top. Um, to me, I, I, I it's really tough to decide. Really, um, I, I do think that the likes of Porsche and and Beckman and and Lawson might just be that little bit too far behind to to really um, capitalise on it. Um, but I think we'll have a, a much clearer, well, we'll obviously have a much clearer idea as to what's going on after after the feature race. Um, obviously, it could still be decided in the feature race um, in either um, Piastri's or or, or Sargent's favour. Um, so I think both of them will be looking to try and get it done in, in that feature race, but they are going to probably need a bit of misfortune from the other to do so. Um, so it is going to be really, really tricky. Um, for me, I think, uh, as Josh said, I, I think Sargent's, um, slightly better qualifying form this year puts him in as the, the absolute favorite. Um, purely because overtaking around Mugello is not expected to be to be easy at all. Um, don't know what tyres are going to run yet as well, so tyre there could be a, fact, a big factor. Um, but I, I do think that we could well have Logan Sargent as the, the FIA F3 champion at the end of next weekend. Um, I want to bring Elliot back in to, to talk about the, what he thinks will happen in, in the title decider as well, and also what's going on around the website. I think my main worry for the Miguelo is qualifying will be the same as Monza. The team, the, the FIA stewards, the organising team behind F3 has absolute power to make sure it doesn't happen. Like you said, they can change qualifying format, they can set certain limits. They could do that before Monza. All the teams told them to do that before Monza, and there was no action. Uh, so I worry that it's we're going to see something similar at Miguelo, where you obviously have a, some very long straights. Um, I think Frederick Vesti will be probably the man to beat uh, across the weekend, and obviously he hasn't got a penalty in the free frame of drivers. So he'll probably he'll potentially even sweep to a double win 
that's essentially what I'm predicting. Might bring him up to third in the points. Don't think he'll challenge for the title. Uh, and we'll see Piastri and Sargent getting too close to comfort as they try and win the title. Um, over the next week, we're obviously going to be previewing that title decider. Uh, potentially with a lot of content. Potentially with, you know, just more simple content. Depends who we can catch as they drive across Italy. Uh, then we've got potentially the first round of Argentinian F4. I need to check, check with the championship organisers to see if that's actually happening because they'd set this coming Wednesday as their first planned date and they were very insistent that they wanted to get the season underway in September. Then after that, I'm heading off to the Red Bull ring. I'm covering off Formula Regional, Italian F4, Euro Formula, um, anything else that turns up. And we've also obviously got the Miguelo races. Indy Pro is going to be back at mid-Ohio. And Juju Noda is going to be back in the headlines because it's the second round of Danish Chef 4. And I think a lot of people are going to be watching that um, probably almost as much as they're going to be watching the Formula 3 and Formula 2 action. Yes, uh, Danish F4 from that very famous circuit of Padborg, um, which I'm sure everybody will, will be familiar with. Uh, there is also Formula Renault Euro Cup from Mengi Kaur, um, along with French Formula 4 as well. Um, and there'll be plenty of news and, f- and features as well. Um, I, I know I've got a fair bit of writing to be getting on with myself. Um, so I think that's that's it from, from all of us uh, for this week. So... Be sure to check out FormulaScout.com and Formula Scout on, on Twitter and Instagram as well. And we'll be back soon with another Formula Scout podcast. Adios. Goodbye.